0: Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to episode 16 of the Strange Catholics podcast. This week, we'll cover some Catholic news. Our main topic this week will be on the scourge of pornography. Our saint this week is Saint Padre Pio. Let us begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we ask you to please shed your light upon us, so that the darkness may be drowned out with your great glory. Help us to seek your will always discerning what is leading us towards You and what is trying to lead us away. We ask Your blessing on this time that Your Holy Spirit would guide our words and would bless each and every person that may hear what we speak. We ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Take it away, Bob.
1: (laughs) Hey, Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, uh, wherever you are internationally listening to this podcast. We know we have a lot of international listeners, and we love you. Thank you so much. Uh, welcome to a, my two brothers in Minnesota. Good to see both of you on the, to pod, see you, uh, on the video and, and talking on the podcast and talking some real pertinent Catholic issues. I mean, it's been a really, really um, important and uh, event-filled week. So, just a couple news things that we want to bring up. Obviously, everyone's tracking the the death of the Supreme Court Justice uh, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and and what a tremendously uh, full and uh, active life she had and did a lot of tremendous things in the in the area of women's rights. Um, but from the Catholic side of things, you know, now you move forward with the Supreme Court and who are the fir- the potential future justices that the president is looking at nominating and the two that have kind of rose to the top here in the last 24 to 48 hours are amy coney barrett who is a catholic and uh catholics are a fan of um she was close last time when brett kavanaugh got nominated she was in the finals there um currently she's a judge in chicago circuit court judge federal circuit court judge she also a professor at Notre Dame, um, good Catholic institution, and it looks like now from a lot of the scuttlebutt around Washington that she's the odds-on favorite. But you know we'll see what happens. Uh, sounds like the president has uh, messaged that he's hoping to make an announcement later this week. So that kind of gives you the time of when we're when we're taping this broadcast. Um, the other is uh, Barbara Lagoa. She's currently a federal circuit court judge in Atlanta. She's from Florida, um, which is an important state politically, and and she's Cuban American. So, uh, so they both have they both very um, qualified, um, very uh, wonderful uh, justice or, uh, current judges that would probably make great justices. Uh, I think from the Catholic side of things, I mean, the, I think Catholics would be happy with either one of them. Although I do think, you know, Amy Coney Barrett's a little bit more of a favorite among Catholics. Um, so what does this mean to Catholics? I think with the the court potentially or more than likely going to uh, six conservatives to three liberals, I think you'll see the court probably be more deferential to uh, hearing cases on Roe versus Wade abortion and probably more deferential to be to pro-life issues, as well as being probably more deferential to uh, First Amendment religious freedom rights, sort of like what we've seen in Hobby Lobby years ago about contraceptives or the uh, Catholic hospitals and nuns and so on that have pushed cases up saying that they don't want to include contraceptives as part of uh, Obamacare, which is mandated by law these types of things. So interesting, uh, going forward here. Do you have any comments, Terry?
2: Well, I, I agree with you, Bob, and I think that this is going to be, uh, a, a very unique and possibly very divisive discussion, you know, over these two Supreme court nominees. I also think that, uh, just the overall nomination process uh, in hearing what I've heard on the news uh, sounds like that's going to be kind of a knockdown, drag out fight between uh, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate. So uh, I, I pray for peace. I pray that our leaders have the discernment to make the correct choice and make the the humane choice. So Phil, what do you think?
0: I mean, it's as a conservative, it's always good to see the opportunity to see another conservative sit at the nation's highest court. The timing is unfortunate. Um, I know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, God rest her soul, um, probably wanted to enjoy some years of retirement, Likely. Um, but really was trying to hold on, likely, to get through the election. Um, She's made some comments about that uh, in years past, so it's hard to say. But all of that to say that, you know, we want to, uh, should always, and we pray that our leaders will bring charity, civility, love to the people that they're speaking to. I think we could use a lot more of that in our own country and around the world.
1: Amen. I think we all agree. Yeah, we all agree on that. The unfortunate part is it seems like when we get a certain type of justice, their view of that is totally different than the other side. So we never get a complete package, unfortunately. So let's hope we can pray. Yes, uh, I, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with you. We pray uh, pray for a, a lot of things, and that is one of them. So, transitioning to the to the second topic, uh, it has to do with capital punishment. Uh, so, out of the one of the Catholic publications I was looking at over the week, uh, uh, New Mexico, the Santa Fe Archdiocese urged uh, not giving Attorney General William Barr an award. I'll bring it up here real quick, but an award, uh, at a, at a, like a prayer breakfast. And, and the, the basic reason why was the the reinstitution of, uh, federal capital punishment. And, and I know I discussed this as a, as a news topic back. I don't know how many podcasts ago because it seems like we've been going on forever and we're on number 16. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, um, So I, as I look at, I'm trying to look this up real quick in my notes, but, uh, you know, they, I think they were totally against giving, you know, just the impetus of it, giving him, uh, an award because we've restarted federal capital punishment over the last six months or so. Actually, Bishop, uh, Robert Barron is, is set to speak at this and, and they were trying to, uh, urge him not to speak, uh, as well. So, uh, but I, I don't think that that's gonna be the case. I think his people said that he was just asked to speak, and that was it um also something came out today that talked about uh and I don't see if this was from the uh uh, uh the uh the Council of Catholic Bishops or not that's that also kind of reaffirmed this um sent something to the attorney general that said hey you know, can you stop the capital punishment right now? So at least we're trying to be consistent, which I appreciate. So oh, there we go. That was on the Catholic news service. I saw that. So the Archdiocese of Santa Fe, that's the national Catholic uh, prayer breakfast. They were going to honor attorney general William Barr with a special award. And I mean, I don't know where we're at with that. I doubt that it'll probably happen now, but it just doesn't seem right now that, uh, you know, we've started uh, um, capital punishment again for for certain federal crimes.
0: And I I was looking at that CNA story where the bishops are urging um, uh, President Trump to halt two federal uh, executions that are set to take place this week. Um, quote, we say to President Trump and Attorney General Barr, enough, stop these executions. So part of that, our ethos of being pro-life is that we don't want to end a life um, before needed. Today, in the 21st century, in 2020, it's pretty unlikely that a person that we have incarcerated in a prison is going to be a threat, such a grave threat to the public, that our only recourse is to put them to death. That is the argument, the that's the Catholic side of the argument, is that if they pose an immediate threat, right, enough of a threat that your only way to save general population is to execute them, then it is admissible. But Pope St. John Paul II, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis have all said, we don't need to continue these executions because we now have ways of keeping people incarcerated. And we have seen instances where people that were uh, given a life, given a death sentence immediately up to or sometimes even after their execution, they're found to be not guilty. So that's happened as well. It's not as often. But again, we we don't want to just, we want to bring our pro-life ethos you know, for the full spectrum, we don't want to just say, well, these people have done bad things, so we need to execute them. Not saying these people haven't done bad things, but I think that we have better ways in which to not take that anti-life statement personally.
2: Well, and I think it sends a mixed message. Okay, so we're, you know, if we continue to support the death penalty uh, but say, you know, we need to protect protect life, um, it's kind of, to be real blunt about it, it's kind of like talking out of both sides of our mouth. And the Catholic Church has, in other situations, been accused of doing that. So adding one more thing to uh, correct or maybe get after the catholic church for lack of a better term to bash the catholic church on uh we don't need to continue to add to that pile bob
1: capital punishment's wrong okay playing god is wrong okay there is no instance where we do capital punishment that these people are a some sort of great threat, or would meet that litmus test that we've talked about to have to uh, take their life from them, they can be incarcerated okay they're they're in a prison, okay we can give them life sentences without possibility of parole okay there's a There's also a lot of other factors here besides what Phil brought up about the the percentage of innocent. Uh, folks in prison, albeit not high, but much higher in the African-American community than anywhere else or other minority community. That's, that's one. The second is prisons have become our new uh, institution for the mentally ill because we have not spent enough money or resources in our state hospital systems, in our mental health, facilities a lot of these folks are on the street are mentally ill do bad things and sometimes they take somebody's life right um, in a robbery or some drug related crime and then we we're gonna sentence them to death and they're people that need to have treatment it doesn't mean they don't need to pay for what they did it doesn't mean they're not responsible and it doesn't mean we condone any of it we don't condone any of it okay so I got to tell you that I'm as personally, I am as strong on the death penalty as I am on pro-life for abortion, because I mean, we need to be consistent, as Terry said, with being a pro-life religion. So it's always good to check yourself and say, what do you think Jesus would do in this circumstance? What would Jesus do? Jesus would, Jesus would have mercy on these folks and would not want them put to death. So,
0: And that's what we've seen through the magisterium of the church helping us to draw clarity to this, to capital punishment and guiding, you know, not just Catholics, but hopefully all people of goodwill towards the eye that we don't in this day and age, we do not need capital punishment because we have other means, as we've already talked about.
2: And just as an FYI, talking about pro-life, Uh, At least here in the St. Cloud Diocese, 40 days for life begins tomorrow. So begin praying starting tomorrow for an end to abortion. Just throwing my plug in there, guys.
0: Love it. Love it.
1: Well, I think uh, for Catholics or all those who are pro-life, whether you're Catholic or not, I mean, this is a Catholic podcast. Um, I think that may be sooner than later ways we look at the future of the supreme court but time will tell prayer is also prayer is always the best way to start out with this i agree with you all right let's trans let's transition out of the news and talk about our main topic today's main topic is going to be pornography very very heady topic very deep very complicated well we'll get through what we can and maybe we'll be doing this again in the next podcast Uh, but i'm going to push it over to Phil to give some more information.
0: Thanks, Bob. So our, our reason to come up with this is be, or to talk about this is because it is a such poignant topic to talk about. This is a scourge, not just of the people of an, in America, but around the world. Um, men and women fall prey to this great temptation that the devil tries to thrust at us. It's not easy. And when you fall into this, It's very difficult. It's one of those still shameful things that people don't want to admit to others. This is a difficult thing to bring up to other people. So part of our conversation, we pray tonight, will help not just understand why this isn't good for us, but then also uh, bring some ways, some avenues for healing, because we know that many people suffer from this. Many people are still struggling with this. I myself have struggled with this. Thanks be to God, I'm in a much better place, but that doesn't mean that I can't fall tomorrow. So it's that continual surrender to God, asking for his grace and mercy to overcome these temptations. You know, there are there are many ways in which pornography can harm others. It already does because it's already objectifying the other, right? It's not seeing them as the human being created in the image and likeness of God, but instead seeing them as an object for our manipulation. Another point is that it has great harm on those that we have, we are in relationship with, not just our spouse, but our children, our friends, our neighbors, our siblings, because it distorts our view of how we see others. We, we start to see, especially as we get farther into this habitually, And it becomes more of an addiction. We fall into that where we don't see other people as who they really are. We start to see them with lustful eyes. And we know that great quote from from our Lord, you know, when he's he's challenged. um, And he gives us that great challenge that, you know, not just committing adultery in our actions, but when we think with lustful thoughts, we're committing adultery as well. That's a hard charge. The first time I actually heard that with my heart, I was like, ooh, uh, I'm going to have to go to confession then. And it was—it has been a long road to recovery for me. And I know I'm not alone in this proclivity, but it thanks be to God that I'm not in the same place I was before. And I pray I don't fall tomorrow or even later tonight. But it's, it's, a, it's like any kind of addiction that we can fall into. It's a continual journey with God trying to submit to his will. And it, it is it is challenging. I have paragraphs from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, one of my favorite saints, St. Saint Thomas Aquinas, speaks well on this. But instead of going too much into that, I'm actually just going to link to a beautiful podcast from Pints with Aquinas that will be in our show notes that I ask you to please listen to, because he's far more eloquent on this topic. He's written books on this. He's been talking about the scourge of pornography in our country and around the world. He's from Australia. His name is Matt Frad. So I'll link to the podcast where he speaks to students at Stubaville because he highlights so well what St. Thomas Aquinas says on lust. You know, sometimes when we want to approach Aquinas, we think, ah, he's too heady for me. But I think if you just read his words, as Matt Frad says in the podcast, if you just read his words, it— it is more approachable than I think we think it is. There's a beautiful site that I'll link to as well, uh, newadvent.org, where you can get a lot of his writings, including this, the entire Summa Theologica, which is where these excerpts are from. But, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas is, is challenging that idea of lust and how lust can take over our ability to submit to those evangelical counsels that we're all called to, no matter our station in life of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We live that out in marriages, we live that out in single life, or um, priests, bishops, they're living that out in their own um, state in life. So we're all called to live those those beautiful counsels to draw out what re- God is really asking of us. And how do we respond sometimes? Sometimes we don't respond to chastity, to charity, right? We're, we think, well, oh, I can just do that because it's not really going to harm anyone else. We, we can so easily fall off and into deep sin very quickly just by thinking of ourselves first instead of what is God of asking of me and resisting those temptations. We all have triggers, um, you know, and we need to be mindful that when I'm going to be in one of those places or I'm going to be, you know, whatever it might be that we have ways to interact, we have accountability partners, we have people we can talk to and talk about these problems, because we can't do this alone. A good Catholic therapist is highly recommended, because they can also help work through, especially once this forms into an addiction, I highly recommend a, a therapist, because they can so, they can really help to break down some of the reasons why, and the root behind some of it, and uh, just highly, highly recommend. Okay. to so get into a c- couple of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, so this is uh, St. Thomas on whether chastity is a virtue. And his uh, so his the objection is, it would seem that chastity is not a virtue. For here we are treating of virtues of the soul, but chastity seemingly belongs to the body. For a person is said to be chaste, because he behaves in a certain way as regards the use of certain parts of the body. Therefore, chastity is not a virtue. And I think it's a good objection, as St. Thomas Aquinas doesn't bring straw men to the table. But here's his reply. Chastity does indeed reside in the soul as its subject, though its matter is in the body, for it belongs to chastity, That a man make moderate use of bodily members in accordance with the judgment of his reason and the choice of his will. So all again, drawing into that station in life. As a married man, I need to be chaste to with my wife. So both not looking lustfully on other people, not consuming pornography, not... You know, fantasizing about other things; those things all deter us from that beautiful marriage covenant that God calls me to. Likewise, sometimes in marriage, we're called to chastity, where we need to be chaste for a time. If we're planning using natural family planning, there are times uh, immediately after a baby is born, or within the first few months, or whatever, where we're we're doing some we're doing some planning because we have a lot of kids, and so we need to be mindful of the resources that we have uh, and 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 always discerning what God is asking of us. So all that to say, what do you have to say, Terry?
2: Wow, great information, Phil. Love it. Uh, one of the things in looking through uh, this book from uh, covenant Eyes. It's called Equip Smart Catholic Parenting in a Sexualized Culture. This blew me out of the water. I was totally like, wow, holy cow. 22% of young adults aged 18 to 24 consider porn to be good for society. I Can't see that, but be that as it may. And 8% Of that age group, 18 to 24, actually think it is very good for society. When used to prioritize what people consider immoral, teens and young adults consider not recycling to be more immoral than viewing pornography.
0: Wow. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) Oh, no! man. We have some evangelization to do.
2: (laughs) We, We certainly do. We certainly do. Um, one of the other points that that uh, kind of hit home for me that I thought was like, wow, um, the world treats people like products to be purchased, sold, or disposed of according to our own selfish wishes. This is not how Jesus loves us. When Jesus died on the cross, his message was, "This my, this is my body given for you. The message of all these sexual images is we see uh, this is your body taken by me.
0: I've always loved that quote. Yes, I know that book well that you're speaking of. We hand it out in our safe haven weekends. Um, It's a very important quote because I think it helps draw to light the real, you know, part of the root of this problem is, we start to think selfishly. We fall into this temptation, and and we don't easily, you know, you know, flip right back to seeing every other person as another person created in the image and likeness of God. We can fall into that trap very quickly. The devil is very cunning.
2: Absolutely. Well, and and I will admit this to to our listeners, to both of you. Um, I was one of those. So a few years back uh when my kids were younger there were uh billboards all over the place that said real men don't use porn and one of the you know and they they profiled five different faces on there one of them was uh current nfl player and i laughed and i mocked at these guys i'm like yeah whatever come on i looking back at that it just Oh, it just makes me wretch. I just thought, wow, how could I have been so blind? But it is that work of the evil one and the grace of God and the love of God, loving, loving me enough to put people in place in my life to help me see through what I was completely missing. And I'm grateful and, uh I I really can't think of the exact words that I want to use right now, but praise be to God that I can see what God's message is now and what our covenant with one another is in life and porn is not a part of that covenant.
0: Amen. Thanks be to God. Beautiful testimony. Thank you, Terry. So one thing I want to get out because I don't want to forget is there are free resources Today, as of yet, this program is only uh, available in English and Spanish at strive21.com. It is completely free. It is as anonymous as you want it to be. And it provides a healing path to be free from porn. I think right now on the site, it will say there's 22,500 subscribers to this service. The service is also put out by Matt Fradd, who I referenced in the podcast. But here you can see another way that there's a beautiful ministry to reach out because we know that this this is a real addiction and that it really does impact people. They're working on one for women. They're not there yet, but they're working on it. Thanks be to God for this ministry because it's helped so many souls come back to Christ.
1: People who are involved in porn, they compartmentalize what they're doing. Because they do it in secret, right, for the most part. The majority of them do it in secret, and and it because there's a the overriding reason for the secrecy is shame. Shame is absolutely at the core of of, of a lot of this. Amen. Um, it's hard to break that chain of of secrecy for a few reasons. One is the shame part, right? The that overriding right. Uh, that feeling of uh, you know uh, lack of self-worth or all these other things you know I will tell you so the folks that I've talked to and and Phil and I have a not not that Terry doesn't but Phil and I have had a lot of experience with with this subject whether it's the folks that we've known and worked with or if it's been as as um, Phil talked about, and I and I would say our personal struggles with with these things. People don't break that secrecy. Be, besides the shame, is is the how, how do we how do we accept those folks in our community? We don't. We we look upon them more negatively than we do other forms of addiction, drugs, alcohol, and so on. It's just it's horrible.
0: Those folks, are
1: view, folks are viewed as uh, um, you like know second some class sort citizens of, or yeah. some sort of sexual predators right yes you know and so they're going to live in the shadow and they're going to be in that behavior and they're going to be addicted and it is a temptation it's it, and if you you know read the temptation stories in in the new testament you know where Jesus and the devil and the new or you know, satan and the being tempted and having that back and forth and other temptations, it is an absolute temptation that you must fight and you must have discipline. Um, and that discipline is coming from God. That's where that discipline is coming from, right? That's where that strength is being drawn from, you know, but it's tough, right? I mean, we're only human and we sin and we make mistakes, and and so it's a difficult subject. I, I think one of my goals when I, when I become ordained whenever that is in the future um <laughs> I'm not really that far away, okay? <laughs> if we could say that, right? I'm not really that far away. No, you're not. Uh, um is to to work in some sort of ministry capacity in this area. Because it, it's really something that, even though you know Phil talked about Strive Twenty One and there's other resources out there, um, it really still flies a little bit below the radar as an issue, right? So once in a while we get some statistics where we see alarming number of women that are addicted now, you know, and what the percentage is uh, of men, and it's the best that we can come up with. I just think that. It is still a secret addiction, and we're just scratching the surface with a certain group of people that we're helping. We need to open this up to really get it more mainstream and get more people in, in it um, to tr- you know to try to help them um, overcome this addiction. So, and, and the best way to do it, right, is with Jesus Christ leading the way.
0: Amen. Amen. And we've had some great examples from celebrities who were maybe great proponents of porn before speaking out against it now. Right.
1: Absolutely. So we'll see. I mean, this is a, this is a touchy subject. It's a difficult subject. Um, it's a subject that really, um, you know, really comes home for me and, and for Phil for sure. Um, I yeah. guess that's all I have to say about that.
0: Thank you, Bob. Thank you very much. Yeah, As Bob said, it's a difficult subject. Um, you know, if the Lord's really leading us to have another segment on this next week or in following weeks, we'll continue this as a subsequent part, but we know that this is a real thing. This is a real scourge that's really impacting people and it's has a detriment So uh, go to confession, find an accountability partner, really start that path of healing, recognizing where you're at. You know, maybe that's not the thing you can do tomorrow, but really try and get a sit down with a priest and talk to him about what you've been struggling with, and he'll help you with that. And if he knows of resources, he'll send you in that direction. So don't feel like you're alone. There's a lot of other people out there fighting this battle too, and there are more and more resources uh, maybe, maybe some can't be in person because of COVID, but there are more and more resources out there to really help people. I also mentioned, uh, find a therapist. I strongly recommend, highly encourage finding the good Catholic therapist that can kind of help you through this as well.
1: If you're listening to this podcast and, and, and you have a comment on this, or if you're struggling with something like this, I mean, feel free to leave us an anonymous comment, a comment or something. I mean. Um, you can send us a message that other people don't see right on, I think anchor and, and, uh, we'll, even though we'll have these links for you, we'll, we'll help connect you or we'll be here to talk to you because I think, especially from Phil and myself's perspective, and I, I don't want to cut Terry of this, but from, I think we've just been a little bit more deep in, in, into this. Um, we certainly know where you're at. Um, from our experiences and the experiences of the people we know. So uh, we can help provide some of that support for you and get you going in the right direction. Cause that's really what we want for you. So, so please reach out to us.
0: Yeah, please do. Strange at gmail.com.
1: I think we're going to take a short break. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with uh, Padre Pio. We'll be right back right after this. All right. We're back from the break. Time to talk about Padre Pio, and Terry's going to give you the skinny.
2: Well, thanks, Bob. The skinny, I like that. So Saint Padre Pio, and in researching this saint, I've known of some stories of Padre Pio, but wow, all I can say is what an amazing, amazing individual. So Saint Padre Pio, his feast day is September the 23rd. He is the patron saint of civil defense volunteers, stress relief, January Blues, and adolescence. He is also the patron saint of his own town, Petre Selina. Padre Pio is one of the most loved figures in the Catholic Church of the 20th century. He spent nearly all of his life in the Italian town of San Giovanni Rotondo. Born in 1887, Francesco was one of eight children of Grazio and Maria Giuseppe di Nunzio. He had three younger sisters, Felicita, Pelagina, and Grazia, and one older brother, Michel, as well as two other siblings who had passed away as infants. Padre Pio was baptized in the church at St. Anne in Padre Salina. He was an altar server later on this same chapel. By the time he was five years old, just five, he already had made the decision to dedicate his life to God. Wow. He began taking on penances to prove his dedication and love for God. He expressed, he expressed the great desire to be involved with the Catholic faith, mainly because of his upbringing. His whole family was devout Catholics. From this, his tender age, Francisco had a peculiar ability. He could see guardian angels spoke with Jesus and the Virgin Mary. This was not something that was taught to him, but occurred so naturally that assume that other people could see them too. As a child, he worked on a farm by taking care of a small flock of sheep that the family owned until age 10, which delayed his education a great deal. When it came time to join the Capuchin order, he was told he needed to be better educated So before he could become involved. He was able to receive private tutoring at the age of 15 to pay the cost of the tutor. Francesco's father traveled to America to find work and sent the money home. The private tutoring allowed him to enter the novitiate with the Capuchin Franciscan friars, this is where he took the name Friar Pio in honor of St. Pius I. On September 20th, Padre Pio was hearing confessions. Other sources say he was kneeling in front of a large crucifix. He was making Thanksgiving after Mass when he had a vision of Jesus. Multiple sources give multiple ways of how he received this, but on this particular date, he felt pain in his hands and feet, and he noticed the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, appearing on his hands and feet. The experience was painful. Bleeding occurred. The wounds smelled of roses, and although they continued to weep, they never became infected. Doctors who later examined the stigmata were amazed at their perfectly round shape. Upon his death, the wounds were no longer visible. In fact, there was no scarring and the skin was completely renewed, which he had predicted 50 years prior that upon his death, his wounds would heal. In the beginning, Padre Pio felt great humiliation at the wounds on, on his body. The visible stigmata on his body was one that brought him great pain, but he welcomed it. He welcomed the pain for all of mankind. He stated, he had stated many times that his greatest wish was to die. He was visited by so many pilgrims wishing to see some of the miraculous manifestations that his presence attracted. Padre Pio rarely left the friary after he received the stigmata, but busloads of people soon began coming to see him. Padre Pio saw Jesus in the sick and in the suffering at his urging a fine hospital was built. The idea rose in 1940. A committee began to collect money. Ground was broken in 1946. Building the hospital was a technical wonder because of the difficulty of getting water there and hauling up the building supplies. The House of Alleviation of Suffering has 350 beds. The celebration of Ma- Holy Mass was for Padre, Padre Pio, the center of his spirituality. Due to the long pauses of contemplative silence into which he entered at various parts of the Holy Sacrifice, his Mass could sometimes last several hours. Everything about him spoke of how intensely he was living the passion of Christ. There is one story that uh, I came across that I really wanted to share as well as we're kind of wrapping this up. Um, A former seminarian for whom Padre Pio had been a spiritual director and confessor wrote that he and his fellow students heard the frightening noise of iron bars banging together in Padre Pio's room. They also heard a sound like a train traveling at a high speed through a tunnel. One of the students who became Father Matrice Also explained how one night he woke up because of a terrible uproar coming from the area where Padre Pio was sleeping. He was described as hearing a burst of derisive laughter and the sound of iron bars being twisted, as well as chains clamoring on the floor. Just an amazing, amazing man. Padre Pio is understood above all to be a man of prayer. Before he was 30 years old, he had already reached the summit of spiritual life known as the Unitive Way of transforming union with God. He prayed almost continuously that his prayers were usually very simple. He loved to pray the rosary and recommended it to others. One last point here. In 1947, Father Carol Watoya visited Padre Pio Who prophetically told him he would rise to the highest post in the church? Father Carol Watoya became Pope John Paul II in 1978. Serene and well prepared, he surrendered to his death on September 23, 1968, at the age of 81. He died as he had lived with a rosary in his hands. His last words were, Jesus Maria. Jesus, Mary, which he repeated over and over again until he breathed his last. He had often declared, after my death, I will do more. My real mission will begin after my death. He was beatified in 1999 and canonized on 18 June 2002 by Pope John Paul II, both beatified and canonized by the same pope. Padre Pio famously advised, pray, hope, and don't worry. And one last point, there is a woman here in central Minnesota who was at his canonization because she received a healing from the intercession of St. Padre Pio.
0: Phil, Bob? Beautiful saint, beautiful saint. Thank you, Terry, yes. And, I mean, there are many persecutions that he under- had to undertake in his life because a lot of people thought the stigmata was a show. Um, they didn't like his expansive ministry. He would sit and be in confession for a long time. He also had uh, uh, had the gift of being able to read souls. So when people would come to confession, if they wouldn't confess everything, he would tell them they need to come back uh, because you're not confessing everything. And you know obviously if you're not if you're not bringing all of your sins you're not, you you're not going to get absolution and so he would say come back um or he would reveal those sins to that person um and i i love that beautiful witness the prophetic vision for uh who will become pope saint john paul ii to father Carol wojtyla um that, just a beautiful mystic a beautiful saint he has these uh, beautiful message of praying the rosary. I highly recommend praying the rosary every day because it just brings us ever closer to the life of Christ and his Blessed Mother, who he loves more than we can ever love. And it just brings us into that that family of God. And it's just, I strongly recommend it. I echo what St. Padre Pio would say.
1: Well, I have a book, uh, Padre Pio, Man of Hope, oh. uh, which is a good book. Um, and, and I understand why some people question the stigmata and I just, it's difficult, you know, for humans to grasp miracles happening. So, uh, that's why we have faith, you know, and we have to have, we have faith that, uh, that, that wasn't a show. So, but it, but it's difficult. So I, I can understand that Padre Pio, man, what a amazing uh, life and amazing saint and and fairly contemporary i mean died in the 1960s so <clears throat> so i it's a it's a great choice for saint of the week
0: saint padre pio pray for, pray us. for us pray
1: for us okay well we thank you very much for that terry that was wonderful um we've and we've got to the uh, point of our show where we talk about prayer intentions we did not have any specific prayer intentions um submitted by our listeners this week uh we will we do have some that we will include in our final prayer but before we get to uh, our final prayer with the prayer intentions we want to thank everyone for listening again Uh, please go on uh, wherever you get our podcast and leave us a uh, message or rate us five stars is the standard so that would be on Apple Podcast or you know Spotify, Stitcher, um, StrangeCatholics at gmail dot com, uh, Anchor. There's all kinds of them, but uh, please do that, and and we're looking for the feedback. Um,
0: StrangeCatholicsPod at gmail dot com, but that's okay. The okay, link will be in the description.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, see, that's why I don't do it. I don't do it because I don't know. <laughs> But we appreciate that. So thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Yeah, we're all on We're on every major platform. You can get a podcast on, CastBox, whatever. So we're on all of those. Um, please leave especially reviews on iTunes, because that's where most of our listeners are and where most people consume podcasts today. But wherever you're listening from, you should be able to leave some kind of review. Also, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. And that's where you can find all of our episodes if you're a podcast catcher doesn't grab it you can go listen to them there as well plus send us an audio message if you would like
1: in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen gracious amen. and loving god thank you for another beautiful day for us to gather in your name as we go forward after the podcast please watch over all of us especially pray for all confirmation candidates And those who have been recently confirmed. Pray for all of those who are pregnant. Who are trying to become pregnant. That their pregnancies go smooth. And without issue. Pray for all married couples. That their covenant with God continues to be strong. We ask this through your son Jesus Christ. Who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Beautiful Thank prayer, you, Bob. Robert. Thank you.
1: All right. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, love you, brothers. Love
2: you, brothers. Love you, brothers.
0: Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day.